Welcome back to Geek Life, Hanamiga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP, as always with me are my fearless co-hosts. Oh wait, it's actually a special podcast. So the Brian and Joe are not around. We're actually recording midweek, mid-afternoon. We have with us today the admin. Hello. And the A. Henry. I'm in here now. You are in here now. We've got to get you closer to the mic, bro. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm I'm up here now. Oh, there you go. Okay. So this is a this is an emergency last minute podcast about the Oculus Rift. Now, those of you that are longtime listeners know that the admin is a game developer and a game art and design teacher at Sacramento at the Art Institute. Yep, yep. So she, of course, was like, virtual reality and video games there. And so as soon as the Oculus Rift dev kit was available for those developer types, she was like, mm, bye. And so one came in the mail not long ago, and suffice it to say, because we're all gamers around here, we were all incredibly excited to try it and check it out. Of course, we were all super crazy busy for like a week or two. The poor admin was over at the, her house being like, you guys know I have like the next step in gaming and nobody's been here for a week. What is happening? She was a little depressed about it. <laughs> so finally, I uh, got my lazy butt over to the house and we spent a couple hours fiddling with it a few weeks ago. And boy, was I impressed. What an extraordinary device, an incredible tool for gaming and beyond, really. Yeah. So let's have the admin actually give us a download of what it is. Just like, just what is it? Who makes it? You know, what's the plan with the Oculus? What is the Oculus Rift? How to explain this and portray the level of excitement that you should have when hearing about this. It's a little bit difficult. Uh, Children of the 90s, I think I can get away with just saying it's like the virtual boy, but you know, if it worked, <laughs> I think that's a good way to start off with. But essentially, yes, this is full immersion uh, virtual reality. It is a headset you wear on your head, thus being a headset. And it's nice and light, too, which yeah, is good. Yeah, it's actually I was really surprised with how light it was because I was expecting going in to have very sore neck muscles for the first couple of weeks of mm -hmm. using it. But no, it's very lightweight. It's less than a pound for sure, I'd say. I don't know. How, how Surprisingly. I mean, all of the other virtual reality devices that I've used over the years, whether it was the virtual boy, which you obviously didn't hook on your head, you <laughs> had to hunch over on the table in the kitchen. It worked. It was pretty cool. But then, of course, many of us have gone to the mall or something and there's yeah. been some VR headset and it's always like 30 freaking pounds and you feel like. Or it's on like some sort of rail system, yeah, like at exactly. the arcades. So, I mean, it really is incredibly lightweight and very comfortable. What you see in futuristic films when there's somebody using VR and it just looks like something you just throw on and it's no big deal. It's, I mean, you know, you don't really notice the weight at all. Yeah, full on. Actually, if they plan on making the consumer version look anything like the initial concept that mm. they had, it will completely look like what you see in a sci-fi thing. Right, and potentially even be lighter because it looks like there's a little bit less stuff there. They're really bare bones, though. They're getting down to the point where I think the... Well, no, I guess the plastic casing would be weighing Because currently it's pretty screen. squared off. It's very square. It, it, it's basically just the casing for the screen. There's no design involved at all. It's just like, mm -hmm. here, this works for your face. Put it on. <laughs> but it looks pretty cool. Like I have no problem with the design as it is right now. But anyway, bouncing back to what exactly it is. So the way that it works is you hook the Rift up into your computer right now. Uh, it's just set up for a computer. I'm sure eventually the consoles will catch on but mm. we'll see so either way so the actually the the xbox one and playstation 3 have been talking specifically the xbox one has been outspoken about wanting to interact with the rift I, I think it's funny considering that they caught so much backlash for their opinion of the indie 
game market. I, mm-hmm. I think maybe they're just trying to make a lot of attempts at, you know, making Betty Betty. And the Rift is very much in the realm of the indies right now, totally. obviously, because it's not for console yet. But I'm positive that eventually we'll get there to the point where the Rift will be available for the consoles. But anyway, right now it's for the PC. Hooks in with either an HDMI cable or a DVI along with a mini USB and, of course, power because we need power to power this device. And it essentially takes on the role of a second monitor on your computer. Now, when you have Rift-enabled games, as soon as you hit the EXE, it'll launch in and you'll have the stereoscopic view. If you make the mistake, as a lot of people did, of putting on the Rift before you enter a Rift-enabled game, you will get the uh, wonderful view of your desktop flipped. So in one eye, you'll so in your right eye, you'll see the left side of your desktop. In your other eye, you'll see the opposite side. So and it makes your brain want to bleed. It's yeah. really awful. Yeah, we're not designed to see things like that. (laughs) So uh, once you get into a game, essentially what happens is you have a full 108 degrees of visibility. So essentially you have your peripheral vision. You're able to move around within the game. Uh, Right now, actually it's a pretty fair distribution between keyboard and mouse, the Xbox 360 controller, and then the Razer Hydra, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you use your control, whatever it may be, to move your body around and then the rift to move your head around. So, and this is kind of an abstract way of thinking about it, but if anybody's worked with the UDK, the Unreal Development Kit, it's essentially like moving around with the mouse. And that nobody's going to understand that reference. (laughs) But you use different mice to move like your head and your body, and the same thing applies for the rift. So you have full 360 yeah, so degrees. So separate screens in each yeah. eye, right? Or is it one screen that's just split? I'm pretty sure it's one screen. Mm. Um, that's kind of what I thought too. But it, it is essentially completely separate images. Oh, yeah, completely. Because you see a mirror, more or less, of what is being shown by, on the screen inside the Oculus. Right. Once, I mean, on the on the monitor. Because mm-hmm. what it does is it essentially it it's mirrors a monitor, the monitor. Yeah. Right. But instead of doing an extended desktop, it does a mirror typically. Right. And so once you're in a game, you can see... What looks kind of like a binocular view, sort of. It's a fisheye. Right. Yeah, but but it's a a fisheye, and then there's there's basically two different slightly Mm -hmm. staged images, which is exactly what's coming through the Oculus. What's nice about that is that as you're playing with friends or checking it out, anybody else in the room can still perceive and understand what's going on in the game, (laughs) which is really fun. It can be a little disorienting because each of them is like looking at the world through like the bottom of a pint glass. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it works really well to be able to still feel like you're interacting instead of... Somebody sitting down, you know, a blank screen that everybody else can see, and then they're like, ooh, ah, this is amazing. So it's it's cool because then you can get together and do what we did, which was have a rift party, and everybody else can see. an orgy of video game love (laughs) and appreciation. Exactly. And so pretty much all we did was we sat around, just kind of different people would rotate into the chair and try the rift, different games, and everybody else could still feel like they were involved. And something scary jumps out, everybody sees it. Of course, it's not scary (laughs) for anybody but the person on the rift because, good God, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. You know, I think if we didn't have the option of actually seeing what the Rifter was seeing, Mm. it wouldn't be nearly as entertaining. I mean, obviously, (laughs) since we're talking about the developer's kit, it it wouldn't have necessarily been important. But I don't know. I really enjoy being able to watch what the person is experiencing on the Rift. I think that's a big part of the whole experience. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what they come up with 
for interacting with the consoles in the future because mm. consoles typically only have one out for video, right? right. And so they're, they may do some kind of a inline or splitter or something because if you do your HDMI out from your console mm-hmm. into the Rift box, then into the Rift, nobody's going to be able to see what's on the television and it won't be able to monitor what's going on, which I right. think is too bad because mm-hmm. I do think it's fun for other people in the room to be able to see because let's get honest here. This is a huge advancement in technology in general, not even just in gaming. And... People are going to want to see. You're going to want to show your friends. It's going to be like when everybody got a Wii and everybody was like, motion controls. Oh, my gosh. It's the future. Right. Like this is going to be a communal experience for a while because mm-hmm. we're all going to be perpetually blown away by it. And it's, it's really an incredible next step with things. So, right. So you've got stereoscopic images, mm-hmm. complete and immersive 3D. Mm-hmm. They have lenses inside the rift that actually make it feel like it's supposed to be for your eye. Otherwise, yeah. instead of looking at a screen, just blank there, right? The lens no, it's is actually... essentially like looking at a big cell phone. <laughs> right, yeah. And what's so cool about that is that the lens is, because I'm, I'm sure some of you out there are thinking like, well, I have astigmatism or I have, I'm nearsighted or farsighted. So they've gone out of their way to prepare for that. And they're probably going to do even more in the future to prepare Hopefully. for that. Right. But they have a couple different lenses. What were, what were they? The... So we have three basic lenses. So the standard lenses, lenses for all the normal people out there. Chuck, chuck, chuck. No. And then uh, nearsighted and farsighted lenses. Mm-hmm. I think actually that's the weakest part of the Rift. Uh, fortunately, it's not something you have to deal with if you have a lot of people with the same eye condition or mm. if you're just developing yourself. But switching out the lenses is kind of a massive issue because as soon as you take those lenses in off... In the developer kit, just the way they do it? Yeah. Well, as soon as you take the lenses off, you get dust on the screen. Mm. And also, it's not easy to put the lenses back in. I, I'd say that's where most of the effort's going to have to go to make this consumer ready. Yeah, because really, as far as the experience of using it, mm-hmm. it's not going to be real different from no. the dev kit to the retail version. No, they're really wouldn't be at all i mean there'll be some things to make it more user-friendly for it'll look more aesthetically pleasing probably it already looks pretty damn aesthetically right but i mean you see the concept stuff they have on their website of this it looks kind of more in the shape of an oversized uh, snowboard goggles or something like that which as a matter of fact is probably the closest experience on your head that i can Mm -hmm. think of right it's sort of a a very comfortable soft goggle feel with the pad around you pressed in nice and tight but you almost don't tell the weight Right. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's a pretty powerful tool. It has uh, I'm, I'm guessing the technology is accelerometers and balancing stuff or basically it can track your head. Mm-hmm. And I would say is probably one of the most incredibly impressive parts about the entire Oculus Rift experience is the head tracking. So much of the time with motion controls, which we've all seen plenty of because we're all excited about cutting edge stuff and that comes out and it's like, hey, the future And so much of the time, they have problems with calibration, they get out of calibration, and pretty soon your guy's hands are in the wrong place, or the sword is pointed over here, or whatever the hell it is that you're interacting with in the game, it typically gets goofed up, and you have to stop, like for the Wii Motion Plus, this is epic, you have to stop, place it face down on on a flat surface, wait for a couple seconds, pick it back up, totally breaks the flow of gameplay, breaks the immersion, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's been a problem for a long time in motion anything. And it's one of the biggest concerns that I had when I first heard that the Oculus Rift wasn't just 3D vision, but it was going to be actual head tracking, is I thought, oh boy, here we go. We're going to get to where looking straight ahead is really looking to the side, and you're going to have to want to twist your chair or stop and press recalibration and have to do the, you know, look forward, look up, look F, look right, look down, press space bar. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to have to do that every 10 seconds, and you don't. Yeah, no, We you never had to. A game will start with something like that just to get you in the right position and started, but it never loses its place. 
Right. Um, I mean, we played for hours that day. Yeah. Minecraft, I think, is the only game that I could think of right off the bat that has you do the initial calibration. Mm. But after that point, you never have to do it again. Most games seem to calibrate at the load time. Yep. So, so long as you're not doing something really crazy with the rift while the game is loading, you're good to go. Yeah. The, the thing that I noticed was in relation to the calibration is that it's so awful to have it on your eyes when it's not in a rift enabled environment mm-hmm. that having it kind of up on your forehead or down on the table, if you open the game up and you don't get it on your head quick enough, sometimes it will calibrate in a funny direction. Mm-hmm. So having calibration available is going to be an important part of all that. But I think really it's not a big deal. And most of the time it doesn't seem to be an issue because there's always a couple loading screens. There's more than enough time to leisurely throw it on your head. But, you know, if somebody places it face down or something like that, right. loads a game up, goes and gets a soda, comes back, puts it on their head, their character's going to be all whacked out, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the only time that I really actually experienced that was when I was loading the Rift Coaster for my mm-hmm. students because the first place I took this thing was the school. And... I loaded it up while it was sitting in its case, ah. and that really confused it because it's in a vertical position. So it, it was as if the person was turned around 360 degrees from where the game should start and looking straight up at the ceiling, and the rift was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and so the next student had to like sit in a really weird position in order to make it work. But once again, once I exited the game and went back in... Mm-hmm. When the student was looking the proper way, it was just fine. Other than the lens issue, one of the things that I would like to see in future, and I mean, let's, again, be honest, probably way future iterations of this, would be some way to see this, like the computer screen mm-hmm. and have there be like a comfortable, seamless interaction where you put it on and then you can go navigate to your game and open it up and go from there. And then it goes into the 3D mode instead of the computer windows or linux or mac or whatever experience being so incredibly hard right you can't even just open one just close one eye and navigate because it's shown part of the screen in each eye and it's all goofed up so it's not like it can't be done it's obviously the in-game navigation which is just menus and shit like normal is very understandable and easy to see on the oculus so there's no reason we can't do something like that right with the actual windows navigation getting to the game but that's that's a problem i mean and that's something that i'd like to but that's not really having anything to do with the hardware, no. Yeah. It's yeah. software, and it'll come. It'll oh, definitely totally. Come. I think the coolest, like, I wish it would have someday thing that I thought of was if it had stereo, like, even just low-resolution cameras on the front, and you could f- click a little button on the side so you could see what you're mm-hmm. looking at. Because I don't know how many times we were like, where's the W? Where's yeah. the W? Where's the WASD? I can't I can't for walking left and stuff. Like, it just was so confusing. Because you put it on, and it's complete darkness and then game. Mm-hmm. And... If you get up or move or whatever, it's like, yeah, you can find the mouse, but, you know, you got to find home row and it's it gets really confusing sometimes. And sometimes in a game that requires you to jump across the keyboard to press J for your job list or I for your inventory, coming back to your WASD, most of the time we think no problem. And most of the time it is no problem. But that every once in a while you go back and it's like, oh, what's happening? Yeah, think about playing WoW on this thing. Right, exactly. So the next thing you know, you're throwing grenades by accident or moving left way and strafing off of a cliff or something. Right. I would love for there to be a way for us to actually see the real world, even if it's super low res, just so I can look down and then move my finger over the W, then click the button, just go back to the game. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's would probably increase the price tag substantially, but something like that would be a hugely useful tool. What I would like to see, and once again, this is just dreaming here, you know how Iron Man's helmet kind of slides up? <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick. That That's how I'd like this thing to go. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the cameras. The cameras would be cool, just but to have that action, though, whoosh, 
so going you, on. You would rather it have like a, a visor that like puts the uh, the calibration in like a stasis, so it doesn't freak it out. That's like, oh, you're looking up or anything. Just... Uh, I'm going to be honest. I just want Iron Man's helmet. Oh, yeah, all right. that's <laughs> but yeah, essentially that that's what I'm looking for there. Like yeah, as soon as you cool. hit the little visor open thing, it, it pauses the calibration. Yeah, they could they do something where it allows it's easier to look down instead of having to pop it up onto your forehead and potentially mm-hmm. get your forehead goop on it. Yeah, you know, because then you put it back down, it's like oh, can't see, you know. Yeah, definitely. The lenses are very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess anybody who's worn glasses has this problem, too. Sure, you know, sure, you, sure. you get anything on your glasses and you're just staring at that from there on out. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, good. There's a grease mark. I should be looking at cars, but I can't, you know? <laughs> yeah, I will say that doesn't at least fog up like like glasses do. Yeah, surprisingly, there was no fog and it gets hot in there. Mm-hmm. It does. It really does. Uh, there's And this is kind of a gross out factor. There, there's definitely some sweat levels that happen <laughs> yeah. um, because it, it's still quite warm. But as we were discussing, there, there's room, I think, for some kind of a fan mod or something. I think that that was one of the most requested upgrades out of everybody that was playing um, on Sunday, this last Sunday, at the Rift Party, they were thinking, man, it gets hot in there. I wish there was a way for there to be some kind of airflow or mm-hmm. a little fan or something like that. And they actually brought my fan from my room out into the living room and set it up next to the person. doesn't help your face because your face is sealed inside the Rift, but it's you know, it, it gets hot. It gets hot. Yeah. And that that's something that should be addressed at some point. I think there must actually be some airflow in it. Otherwise, you wouldn't you know, no, there fog is. Up. Yeah, oh, no, there we, definitely is. We've got is. vents on the top and the bottom. It's just not. It's not a flow mm. of yeah. air. It's just somewhere for the air, the hot air to escape. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like an Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll see what you did there. <laughs> I, I'm kind of bitter right now. A little Xbox bit. Died. Your Xbox. Yeah. Right. Just, just recently, <laughs> yeah. the Xbox Xbox just went up and you know gave up with the ghost. Yeah. It's very sad. That's what they do. So now we have a clear picture of what the Oculus is. We're going to take a quick musical break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about what it's really like to use it, a couple of the games that we played on it, and uh, our experience therein. So you're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Rift Cast. We're talking about the recent weekend that we spent in the Rift. So right now, it's obviously the uh, what they're calling the DK One or the Developer Kit One is the only thing that's out and available. Now it's not available only for developers. It's not like you have to sign up for a developer account with them to get it. No, anybody they, can order it. They really want the Rifts out there. So it's, I actually was joking with some of my students. It's harder to get an account on a game developer website. Uh, than it is to get a Oculus Rift. Oh. So essentially all you have to do is click a little, bu- little button that says, I is developer, smiley face, yeah, and then you got it. Yeah, pretty much what development means in this case is it doesn't look as pretty as it could, and some of the functions mechanically or with the lenses or the straps or whatever might not be all ironed out. And I think really mostly is that 
there's not a lot of actual software support right now. The drivers aren't out right. there to take care of everything. There's not a lot of games that are natively working with that. Valve has jumped out. Valve, cre- creator of Half-Life and Portal, and is widely considered one of the greatest developers ever. They've come out and said, we're going to support the Rift, and they've created native support in several of their games. The problem is, is that you still, or not the problem, but the situation is, is that you have to actually opt into the beta version of the game. So they call the Steam Pipeline version. And some of them actually work already, but you still have to open up the... There's a place in Steam where basically you can you can add in like a little precursor code before it logs in. I forget what it's called, but you have to open up the properties and basically, you know, put in dash VR for like the, the startup code. And so it's not like you plug the Oculus in, you turn the game on, and then bang, it's working. There's a little bit of hoops you have to jump through. Yeah, it's not fully integrated yet. Well, those are just for games that are published, that were pre-published. Um, there are well over 270 games that have native Oculus support because right. they are games developed for the oculus right? right i guess what i mean is that companies there's not a lot of companies that are going back and retrofitting their own games for it there's well, no. a lot of third-party folks that are right. out there making de- uh, drivers that will retrofit games and we'll get into that later but there's there are a couple of developers that are going like oh we want this to work for our games and here's a early release of us making it integrated right and valve is, is the standout in that group i think right no valve is really the only major company that's really doing that right yeah. now but there are a lot on the way, but I don't think we can discount the indie market here because oh, not that, at that's all. really the, the key to it. So uh, there's actually a wiki out there that lists all of the games that are available for the Rift, and there are a lot right now. Now they're mm-hmm. smaller because they're indie titles, but you still get a lot going on. It, it's actually really quite exciting. There's one game in particular that uh, stands out. It's called Dread Halls, and it is that's really good. It is a dungeon crawler for the Rift. And is one of the most successful uses of the Oculus Rift, um, just from a, a starting from scratch thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was developed for the Oculus Rift. You can't use it without the Oculus Rift, right? right? No, no, no. Yeah. It, it's an Oculus Rift game. And it's a dungeon crawler, full on, exactly what you expect yeah, it to randomly be. Devel- or randomly generated dungeons. Yeah, everything is procedural, which is great. And the, the quality of the models are actually really quite nice, too. And I'm realizing that we have not seen all the monsters yet. Oh, shit. So, essentially, you're ru- uh, running around in this dungeon through procedurally generated halls. So, if you die, good luck figuring out your way. It's new every time. And you don't have any weapons. There are weapons that you can see, but for some reason, you can't take them, which is frustrating. It's because yeah. the character's allergic to blades and <laughs> useful things. You can <laughs> only pick up coins and oil. Yeah, So and notes. So, the goal is <laughs> to navigate your way through the maze and find the ladder out to freedom. And there are a lot of monsters. And because you're navigating through this this dungeon, you get a really good sense of claustrophobia. Yes. Because the ceiling is only a few feet above you. The curves are tight. It's it's just the it's best It's like experience. playing a video game or a scary game in the dark at night by yourself, right. huddled in front of your computer. Except now you can do it at any time of the day because you will be surrounded by darkness and just the game inside the Oculus. you can't even look away. No. You can't look away. You look it's away and you just look at the you. wall over there. Yeah. You literally just turn around as it's eating your back. This <laughs> is so funny. Uh, so we got Joe to play it. So Joe is, if those of you don't remember from when we talked about Slender, the game, Joe created an, a new meme within our group of friends that we call the T-Rex taser shake, mm-hmm. where something scary happens, and then Joe's hands recoil up to his shoulders, wiggle, and Joe goes, ah, and shakes around. And so it's it's Joe's way of 
going, oh, snap, scary things. And it's it's incredibly hilarious. It is. I highly recommend it. Was it was one of the first things that the admin was like, oh, <laughs> we're going to have to make Joe play a scary game with the Oculus Rift. And that one is just so damn immersive. And the best part is, is that, um, you know, earlier on, actually the previous weekend, I think, uh, I brought it over and Dustin got to play it. And so he was aware of the monsters in that game. So he got a thing of canned air waiting <laughs> behind Joe. Uh, so messed up. And was just studying the screen. Because the one thing about Dread Halls is that it's very dark on the, the TV. Yeah, on the monitor where you can watch what the Oculus Rift right. person is seeing. So, so you really have to focus in. But, you know, Joe started acting really nervous. And then Dustin kind of leans in. He's like, okay, there's a monster. <laughs> and then he waited until the monster was charging at Joe. And, and then he sprayed the canned air. And Joe just screamed and screamed. <laughs> yeah, we got to see the T-Rex taser shake quite well. It was awesome. Yeah, Joe, Joe doesn't weather being startled very well. <laughs> He's definitely the last person you'd expect to volunteer to play a scary game. That's why I we have to force him. He was volunteered. He was, he was press gang. Oh, he, he was, was most, coerced. most certainly peer pressure was yeah. involved. <laughs> so of the games we played, Dread Halls is definitely a standout. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that we played a lot was, like you mentioned earlier, the roller coaster. Yeah. Now, this is based off of a demo for the Unreal Engine. Yeah, Epic Citadel. Um, for those of you that have iDevices, you and you know, care about this sort of thing. You might have seen it at the App Store at some point. Um, Essentially what it is, is it's uh, Unreal's foray into the mobile market. Mm -hmm. So you wander around in a medieval market and church. Yeah. And what they did was they retrofitted the space with a (laughs) wooden roller coaster. coaster. Yeah, as you do. (laughs) Yeah. And it actually was really cool because it allows you to go through the area and not have to do anything, not have to use any controls. Because even people that aren't gamers are still curious about this device. And that's actually a really good place. And what I think we would collectively recommend you download to show off the Rift to anybody who's not comfortable with controlling. Grandma. Yeah, grandma, you know, basically anybody who's not a gamer, Mm -hmm. anybody who can't sit them down and hear WASD and mouse and have them walk around and not bump into shit and fall off cliffs. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good place to start. And so we did that for everybody. And it is not only easy for them to interact with, but it's also really interesting because it's it's a roller coaster. You get a sense of falling. You get a sense of twisting and turning and moving. And it pulls you through this whole environment and really accentuates how crazy it is to be able to look with your head and see what's next to you. You can go through the roller coaster and it just repeats over and over again. And you can go through and have a very different experience each time. I went through one time looking completely up at the ceiling and, you know, seeing the things fly past me. One of the admin students actually turned around in his chair and just watched the roller coaster backwards. But actively, as you're on the coaster, you can look to your right, you can look to your left, you can see what's over there, down there, up there, up at the corner, you can twist your head. It really gives you that sense of being there. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good place to start. And then the other one was the Tuscan vi- Villa. Yeah. Which was fun. Though I think the the upgrade with the um, Hydra. For the Hydra, which yeah. if you're not familiar with what the Hydra is, the Hydra is Razer, uh, the company Razer, which makes really, really quality gaming peripherals for computer and Xbox, I think, at this point. They have yeah. an Xbox controller. Uh, anyway, those of you that play computer games will appreciate and know those guys. It's a very, very good company. So they, it's their motion control thing. It looks like two, two kind of wee nunchucks with yeah. lots of extra information on them or mm-hmm. lots of extra buttons and stuff. And there's a main base and it's magnetic or something. Yeah. So it's very, very precise. Work? Works pretty darn well. <laughs> and is it looks really cool because it's, you know, razor and everything looks like it's from the future. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the there was a retrofit of the game. Tuscan Villa. Of the Tuscan Villa. A uh, little demo. 
Now, was the Tuscan Villa, was that something that was existing similar to the Rift Cat or similar to the Epic Castle? No. That that was created for the Rift? I'm pretty sure it was created specifically to show off the Rift. It might have been what they were showing off at GDC. Honestly, I I don't remember at that point, but it was one of the first things that you... you could use I mean, essentially it's a you know little villa in tuscany it looks like napa right pretty much <laughs> and and you're walking around it's two stories there's uh in, in the one with the hydra you you can pick up some stuff mm-hmm. they actually leave a little plank that you can use to escape out of the little rock wall around it and basically break the game and fall into the geometry mm-hmm. which <laughs> well, is you fun do, you do have to go a ways to actually break it yeah but yeah, it is but it's pretty cool yeah which is fun i enjoy it's sort of like a little easter egg which is great we all waited around to see if everybody else would figure that out mm-hmm. it's really fun so those those are good places to start but i think we should move into the games that we think the games that y'all will probably recognize that we think are extremely impressive with the rift or just our experiences with the 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 more recognizable games we're talking skyrim we're talking half-life tf2 don't don't, don't forget about uh Savage Sky or Macho Rim, the Macho Man Randy Savage oh, version yes. of Skyrim. Yes, we'll have to share the story when we get to Skyrim. That's, yeah. we, we we all trolled we all trolled Henry a little bit. Henry is a I enjoyed serious it. serious Skyrim addict right now. Yeah, yeah. So of course, when he found out that the that the Oculus works with Skyrim, he was like, "Must have for things." Mm-hmm. So yeah, but uh, so first up, why don't we talk a little bit about Minecraft? Yeah, Minecraft. It's a little ridiculous how amazingly well it works for the Rift. Yeah. It's kind of like it was designed for it. it. It's surreal how realistic Minecraft becomes once you're in Minecraft. Especially considering Minecraft's graphical style. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, you're like, okay, sure. It's just going to be Minecraft, right? No, it's it's such a different experience. I, I can't even quite put into words why it works. But so because... Pretty much all we did was just sit there and go, wow. Oh, oh wow. Oh. Yeah. John, you gotta try this. Oh, it's like I'm really in here. That was pretty much the hour of Minecraft, just right there. Yeah, and yeah. things were killing us because we were too busy looking at things. Yeah, just like a bunch of stoners wandering around to buy them. That's pretty much what it was. No, what's really interesting. So, um, the Oculus Rift right now, the current dev kit is not high definition. So when you play the games, there's kind of a screen door effect where you could actually see the pixels. Now, you kind of only pay attention to them at the very beginning and you kind of forget they're there. But in Minecraft, there's something about the graphics that makes the screen door effect seem to disappear. Yeah, there's the screen door explanation is a really good way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it's if exactly you think what it about, looks like. You know, standing in front of a screen door and looking through the door into the backyard, mm-hmm. the door sort of goes into a slight blur and defocuses and you don't feel like there's a grid on right. everything. And it's very much like that. When you when you kind of unfocus your eyes and just look at the game and imagine that it's actually there instead of a screen in front of you, you focus on what's in the world or on the screen instead of the screen itself. It's almost like that screen door effect or that that low pixel density issue just dissolves. And Minecraft, like you said, is easily one of the most dramatic examples of that. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. And, you know, I <laughs> don't really like I keep thinking, I want to go back and play some Minecraft. And it's like, but I should wait till my rift comes. Right. <laughs> like, I don't, it's I think, like it broke Minecraft for me. Like now all I want to do is play it on the rift. That's really what it is. It's like you were asking Henry a little bit earlier if, if he can Skyrim now normally. And, you know, he, he can. No I problem. Can and I do. But with Minecraft, I almost feel like the experience is lacking now that we've seen it in the rift. Yeah, it really feels like 
like Henry was saying, it's like it's what Minecraft was meant to be. It's surreal. Yeah. It, it really genuinely I mean, the menus is. menus work really well. It's the crafting brilliant. works really well. I wish that you could change a little bit of how far you have to look, to, especially looking up to cut down trees and stuff. It can right. be kind of awkward to have to lean and look so it, far up because you have to aim with your yeah, eyes. Right. It doesn't help that you have to... You, that's how you control the, the yeah. Cursor. So just, just so just the horizontal axis is controlled by the mouse, which I think is a really good way to do it because obviously you don't want to have to spin around and you're you're wired in. Right. So you know, kind of looking looking in your normal range of view, just sitting in a chair, you can see you know all the way to your left and right periphery and up and down and anything in between. But obviously in a game, you're not going to be constantly facing one direction. You right. got to be able to turn and so. Binding the horizontal rotation to the mouse works really well, mm -hmm. where you still have the kind of transverse movement of the WASD to actually move you through the world. But other than that, aiming and with all of its subtlety works really well with your head. I, I was impressed at how quickly the awkwardness of, oh, if I want to cut that block down, I have to look at it with my head. Right. You know, because you're used to just staring at the screen and moving the mouse. But you actually get to where you're like looking at things and moving around. And the first maybe five minutes of it were sort of gleefully excitingly awkward and then pretty soon you just forget and you're just like and now i'm playing yeah yeah i started i started digging a hole <laughs> i went to the highest it. point i possibly could and, and jumped yeah, off it yeah. is a little nerve-wracking to try and rush. yeah to try and jump off of those high were you levels. there when we had when we had Chaz playing minecraft no. No. we jumped in and made a creative mode and he flew around Oh, nice. awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, he flew around and then he flew yeah. really, really high and then just fell. <laughs> nice. yeah. It was really intense. <laughs> Going down, buddy. Yeah, it was really cool. Minecraft, I think, hands down, probably save maybe Half-Life 2, was probably the most impressive, I guess, conventional, if you want to say, game mm -hmm. or well-known game that we, we tried with the Oculus. Mm -hmm. Much of the other stuff that was retrofitted, especially the stuff that wasn't actually retrofitted by the company itself or i guess what you would call have native support by the developer mm -hmm. but actually was utilizing some kind of a external runs in the background program that acts as basically drivers to kind of force the game into oculus mode mm -hmm. that while it worked was a little rough around the edges right the, the one that we were using is called i'm just going to spell it v-i-r-e-i-o and you can find them at v-i-r-e vire.io so vire vireo vireo no it's vire vireo oh vire yeah oh, yeah i don't anyway so like i said vire.io vireo you can find them uh, on the web and they currently support a, a pretty good chunk of games the ones that we tried out were Mirror's Edge, Left 4 Dead 2, Half-Life 2, and Portal 2. Now, you're wondering, why did we use it on Half-Life 2 and Portal 2? Because we wanted to see the difference. And there was a distinct difference. Dramatic. Dramatic. Half-Life 2 was gorgeous using just Valve's native mm -hmm. Oculus support. Probably the most beautiful thing we'd seen in the Oculus. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so the games that this particular driver, which is currently open source free driver... Uh, supports is uh, Dead Rising, Antichamber, Borderlands 1, Batman Arkham City, Dishonored, Left 4 Dead 1 and 2, Half-Life 2, Portal, Portal 2, Skyrim, Mirror's Edge, ah! <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, that's the game. Yeah. A Complete Disregard for Gravity, I think is what it's called. Unreal 3, Dear Esther, and Dirt 2. So... This time it's not Dirt 1. Yeah. <laughs> this time it's dirtier. Yeah. 
<laughs> so there are companies that look like they're stepping in and saying, hey, developers, if you're not going to make the Rift work with your games because you're on to bigger and better things, we're going to make the Rift work with your games. And it's still a little rough around the edges, but hey, we're still in the developer zone, really. I mean, there's no retail releases for this out yet. And that's, like I said before, I think the biggest drawback and biggest developer kit feeling challenge that the Rift currently has is that there's just not a lot of support for it. Well, that's because that's the phase that we're in. Exactly. I mean, we're in the phase where it's like, how the hell does this work into games? Literally, this started this year. This started this summer. Um, most people started getting their rifts around July. I didn't get mine yeah. until the very eh, to the middle of August. Yeah, I think the current round that they're about to ship out starts sometime this month in September. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're really starting to gear up at this point. It, it's extraordinarily new technology. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, it's, it's a whole whopping $300 out the door. So... You could have this or you could have a new computer monitor. Like, it's really reasonably priced in my mind. I was expecting it to be more. This brand new technology has historically been, like, super cost prohibitive. I can remember there being a 3D headset that Sony was working on that the price tag was tentatively set between six and $800. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the goal of Oculus is actually to bring this technology to a point where somebody can go out and reasonably buy it. Yep. Well, well, it's it's not like the, the it's not like the materials used in making the hardware is that you know it, costly. It's just that all of the work gone into making the software is probably just incredibly costly. Well, I mean that's part of the reason why this is the perfect time for the Rift to be coming out is because we finally hit the point where those pieces are becoming incredibly affordable. Because right. I mean, look at our cell phones; we have HD screens in our pockets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, with like the the advent of the retina display on the iPhone and we've got such incredibly high pixel density. Everything is so sharp. We have these six, $700 things in our pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that people who go, Oh, $300, that's a lot of money for a video game thing. I already paid $400 for my PlayStation or whatever. PlayStation four coming out soon, I guess. But you know, I think that it's a good thing that it's starting on the PC. And of course it's really, where else would it start? Mm -hmm. But the PC gamer market doesn't bat an eye at three hundred dollars to make their gaming experience better. You right, know, a good gaming rig is going to cost you at least six to eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a good one, not an awesome one. So three hundred dollars, it's like okay, fine. I, you know, it's maybe fifty bucks more than a nice widescreen HD computer monitor. All right, and so it's all things considered, quite affordable mm-hmm. and not restricted to just developer. You don't have to get on some kind of program or you don't have to sign up and pay to be a dev for them. It's actually very approachable. So if you're interested, I think the the sentiment is resounding. Go order it. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really good. And it, it the experience is great. I don't think that we're going to see a huge, a big enough difference with the retail version coming out sometime in 2014 that it's not worth checking out now if you're excited about it. Especially if you're interested in game design, I would really encourage you yeah. to perhaps start your journey with the Rift because it has an SDK for both Unity and uh, UDK. So if you know anything about game design, give it a try. This is a great starting point because this is cutting edge technology. This is where things are starting. And, hey, and I think this is where things are going. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that this is where things are going because I can imagine a world where... You know, you go into your world history class, everybody puts on their rift, and you've got you and your teachers all have avatars avatars walking around looking at the Sistine Chapel, or you're walking through real living, breathing ancient cities with, you know, NPCs in the gaming world, or just, you know, you know, computer characters who 
have dialogue and are wearing period clothes and can answer questions and take you around and talk to you as if they would have at the time. I mean, an immersive experience like this could be an incredible tool for teaching, for learning, for fun. It's not just a game device. This is really a whole new way to experience digital media. Right. And actually, the first thing that I thought as soon as I started playing with the Rift, honestly, was integrating it with some type of robot in order to see the real world sure get a little robot with a stereoscopic camera on there and quite honestly i just want to go explore the pyramids that that is where this (laughs) stemmed from yeah this could be something that they could do you know talk about rift cams you Mm -hmm. know where you'd have like a a webcam somewhere basically that obviously is not the super low frame rate of a webcam (laughs) but i mean imagine you could do that where you could you know take control of something walk around look around i mean and really see it right now well yeah i mean think about archaeological sites that aren't safe for humans to be in for Mm. example they just found the gate you know bacteria and stuff like well yeah like the gateway to hell which they found in greece Maybe I, I forget. It seems like Greece. Would yeah, have I forget like precisely oh, the one with the, the deadly gases. Yeah. Yeah. So they have all of this stuff in there. That they can't easily access or, mm-hmm. you know, going down deep into the earth. Sure. There, there are just so many applications for the rift. It's really And it exciting. has such a natural, intuitive, you know, just transposing your head into a either game or faraway place. Mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it definitely I'm is. I'm really excited about it. So, so let's talk a little bit about actually, you know what? Let's take a quick musical break. When we get back, we're going to talk about how we trolled. The 8th Henry. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Riftcast. Now we're gonna we promised explaining what uh, what we did to good old Henry. So, like we said before, Henry is obsessed with Skyrim. I am. Yes, you are. So, of course, he was excited about playing Skyrim. And actually, when we got together early last week to try and you know prepare for the party, so that you know we didn't invite a bunch of people over and then not have anything work. So we tried to get Skyrim working, and it didn't work out. So we actually were able to get it working this past weekend using the Viriario driver and uh so what happened was obviously we were having an all-day rift party and so the admin and henry had to take their leave and go do their exercises and when they came back later in the evening we had got skyrim running we knew that that was what henry was excited about but whilst we had done that we had all decided to install the macho man randy savage dragons mod into skyrim and so what we did was we started him a new game beautiful build up here on that if you haven't played skyrim you start on a cart, rolling through the mountainside, talking with a couple of the other people that have been captured, and you're like treated as a thief or something like that. You're basically going off to your conviction and execution in the next couple minutes. And of course, before you get executed, a dragon shows up and mucks things up and helps you escape. 
on, no, like, not, on, not, not on purpose, but not on yeah. Purpose, he doesn't but... be like, let me escape you, ha! But he basically comes up and breaks up the party, and then you use the confusion to zip away. Anyway, so we thought that would be an appropriate place to start. And the beauty of the Macho Man Randy Savage Dragon mod is that, is that they have a bunch of these great sound clips of Savage, and they change the dragon to basically have his face with his like ridiculous pink hat and the ridiculous pink boots that he has, <laughs> and the arms don't have wings; they're just long, skinny arms with like with his 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 he gloves his, and stuff. It's, it's just so darn funny. Belt. In the beginning, when the game starts. You hear sort of weird dragon noises off in the distance, and people are like, "What was that?" And they go, "Oh, don't worry about it. I'll continue with the execution." You know, sort of this slow, you know, artful intro, right? Exactly. And so Henry's played the game plenty of times and started over with new characters, and so he was expecting, you know, in the background, and he goes, "Oh, macho man!" And he's like, "I'm like, what the hell is that?" That's not what I was expecting. Oh well, it's probably nothing. Yeah, and then sure enough, sure enough, the Randy Savage dragon comes down and goes, "Strap into a slim jim, yeah!" And then blows fire on everybody. And I damn near died laughing. It was it was amazing. <laughs> so that was we I mean you got a troll, I and mean, this is this is the internet age. You can't can't have a party without trolling somebody. And, and the mod was really well put together. Like, it was so funny. Like it was it was so fluid to see the macho man flying over my head and and snatch snatching up imperials and stormcloaks alike and and breathing fire and ordering them to snap into said slim gyms. Uh, <laughs> what did he say before he spat fire? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I'm it, wild. It, it was just so macho great. Macho man, it's coming. Because whoever painted the weights for that just did a really great job because his mouth opens unnaturally, yet naturally at the same time. Yeah, it's like some awful rubber mouth thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it was, I, it was I think pretty great. What they did is they they connected some sort of like because because the dragons speak the dragon language every time they use one of their fire breaths or whatever and their roars. They probably because right, that's the whole idea. It's yeah. it's it's to use the words from and, the dragon language. And so all they had to do is is make the word yon, which is what they say when they breathe fire, be yeah. That, <laughs> and, and, and the eighth Henry so well. explains game development technically. Yes, that is precisely how it's, that. It's, it's they, they just replace the sound thing. files. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I was impressed with it. I was amused with it. I only wish I could have seen more dragons. That that would have been great. Someday, someday. Well, do we feel pretty complete about the the Oculus Rift? Anything we wanted to say in particular? I mostly wanted to cover the Macho Man thing, so yeah, I got my piece in. <laughs> Stay tuned for a couple games that I'm in development on right now. Yes, yes, we have some fun things coming down the pipes, as they say. It's a, it's a really incredibly exciting technology. In a nutshell, my perspective on this is wow. Mm -hmm. I am really impressed. I've always been excited about the idea of virtual reality ever since I ever heard of the idea of virtual reality and all of its iterations and everything that I've seen so far have always fallen short enough that you think, uh, well, it's a long ways off. But now, no, after having here. played with the, the Rift, it's like, not perfect yet, but this is it. Yeah. This is it. We are a couple of dev cycles behind what we had all been imagining for years. I think that's the most powerful part about it is yeah. that we're not altering what our expectations are. We're just waiting for it to become perfected, but it's very clearly what we all imagined. It's like, Oh, we should, you know, grow up and alter our expectations. No, it's like, well, you want a virtual reality like this. So here you go. Like we can see the finish line right now. It's easy to see yeah. where this Yeah, You can ends. see where it's headed. I think again, 
if you want a recommendation and if you're seriously considering getting this and you're thinking, should I wait for the retail release? Should I get the dev kit? Should I wait for the HD one? Well, here's a couple of answers for that. Press releases have confirmed that the retail version of the dev kit one, which is the lower resolution one, currently what we are talking about, is going to come out sometime, quotes, in 2014. Who knows when that will actually be? Probably third quarter. Probably late. And they're saying that the dev kit for the next version, which they're calling tentatively tentatively the DK2, which they already have, I think, alpha builds of, is the, the high-definition Oculus Rift. They're not going to release the dev kit for the high-definition Oculus Rift until after the first retail version comes out. So if you're thinking, oh, I want to wait till a high-definition one, then you're going to have to wait a long time. Mm-hmm. And with that said, I would say just grab the dev kit. You know, I mean, maybe there's going to be a couple things and who knows really everything that's going to change from the dev kit to the retail. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that the high definition dev kit is far enough away that you might as well get one of this regeneration. But if you're going to wait until the retail comes, the retail one comes out, then the high definition dev kit will be kind of just on the horizon. So if you're excited about it now, just get one. You know, again, it's not that unreasonably priced. It's definitely worth checking out. And as soon as the retail one comes out sometime in 2014, I mean, the amount of stuff that is getting retrofitted for it, the games that are getting developed for it, it's explosive how much has happened in just the past couple of months. Right. And, and to just, I think, put this fully into perspective to people who aren't quite grasping how close we are, it would be stupid <laughs> for the PS5 and the Xbox 1024 to not have a peripheral like this. That's how close we are. It would be unacceptable for the next generation. Yeah, considering of how long the console's life cycle was yeah, this no, time. No, it would be obscene. It's going to be behind the times if it does it's going to be behind the times if it doesn't have this current generation that's about to come out, the Xbox One, the PS4, they would be remiss to not support it in some capacity because this is going to come into rel I mean, I, I'm going to come on record here. The Rift technology is going to come into serious relevance and regular use within the next five years. Yeah. Easy. Five years down the line, this is going to be a household product. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Definitely. It's going to change everything. Absolutely. Yes. I think? concur with the experts in the room. <laughs> Well, before we wrap up, wanted to let you guys know about a really exciting book that is actually really relevant to today's podcast subject. We are sponsored here at the Geek Life Podcast by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life to get your free audiobook download and try one month of their excellent service. Aside from getting a credit a month, which is good for pretty much any book in their catalog, you also get the whole month or the whole time that you're a member you get 30% off of their entire catalog. Sometimes they have offers to get a bunch of credits at once at a discount. It is really a good choice. It's a great service, and they have lots of good stuff. One of which I recently read, which was recommended to me by John Harder of WaterfrontComics.com, called Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. This book is easily probably the book I've enjoyed the most this year of all of the books that I've read. This book is, or all the books I've read slash listened to, this book is amazing. Essentially, it's the not-so-distant future and a pair kind of like Jobs and Wozniak, basically, but of the specifically game world, not just the computer tech world, have become really, really popular and famous, and they've done a really good job of making all these cool games. And then all of a sudden, they kind of drop off the face of the earth for years. And then pretty soon, news comes that they're investing not just their company's assets, but their personal assets, their copious personal assets into this next product, basically going in all or nothing. And then out comes their new product, the Oasis. And the Oasis is basically a giant virtual reality immersive world that comes in a small, comes with basically a small Oasis console, kind of like a game console. 
and haptic feedback gloves, which basically allow you to interact with the things in the world as if your hands actually existed in the world, and a special visor that projects the game's 3D world directly into your eyes. It revolutionizes the world and very quickly takes over the entire internet. People no longer just use computers for the internet. They plug into the Oasis to go on the internet. Pretty soon, more and more complicated technology to make you even more immersive, like haptic feedback suits where you have like a giant suit, kind of looks like a Borg sort of suit, you know? A lot of fun you can have with that. Yeah, covers your entire body, makes you feel like you're actually flying through the air if you're flying, makes you feel like you're actually getting splashed by water, all that sort of stuff. So it's it ends up becoming increasingly more immersive. It's a really, really cool thing. And is super, super popular and makes the two gentlemen that created it ridiculously wealthy. Now, there's a fissure in their friendship, and one of them steps off and doesn't have anything to do with the Oasis anymore, and so there's basically the one guy named James Halliday is king of the Oasis, and he becomes kind of this, like, crazy recluse. And so this is where the story starts. James Halliday dies, and on the morning of his death, he releases this video that basically, in a nutshell, says... In the tradition of games, time memorial, I've left an Easter egg somewhere in the Oasis. Now, when I say somewhere in the Oasis, we're talking the Oasis is built up of many, many different quadrants, each of which is basically a whole universe. They've got planets upon planets inside each quadrant, and they've got different quadrants. And it's like it's huge, right? So any one thing in that entire space is quite literally a needle in a giant, ridiculous haystack on a different planet in a different universe. So it's crazy. But if somebody finds this Easter egg, they get control of the company and all of his assets, right? So in response to this, he becomes the subject of much scrutiny. His interests, his life, his passions, his eccentricities, everything becomes pretty much in vogue again because everybody spends their time focusing on this because you could, in theory, become a multi-multi-billionaire and have control of, well, essentially the most well-used and popular thing ever, the Oasis. So from this comes a group of people called Egg Hunters, which they get referred to eventually shortened down to Gunters. And so the main character is Wade, a young Gunter, and one of the first people to find the first key to the first gate of three to get to the egg. And it's his journey over a couple of months of actually finding it and all the, working his way all the way to the ultimate goal of getting the egg. And it is an extraordinary story has so many great geeky references to 80s pop culture, old school video games, music, television, movies. It's amazing. It's read by the incomparable Will Wheaton. Nice. (laughs) And uh, there's actually a part in there towards the middle-ish, end-ish area where they're describing the political system within the Oasis. And... Evidently, Klein had actually written in Wheaton as the president of the Oasis, <laughs> and he's reading it, and when he comes across that, there's there's like almost a little chuckle. <laughs> like, you, you, you can't quite hear it because he's a professional, but his voice sort of goes tremolo a little bit when he goes, and then Will Wheaton <laughs> is... <laughs> so it's, um, it's basically the wet dream of any geeky 80s kid slash gamer slash whatever. It's so much fun. It's... Have made me dig up all of my great old 80s movies. I have since watched War Games and Blade Runner and pulled out stuff like Lady Hawk and just all the terrible, you know, Eric the Viking, you know, okay. it's like That's all these. <laughs> I don't care what it's, everybody else says. It's such a great book. It's so much fun. Anybody that likes video games, anybody that likes 80s pop culture, anybody that's interested in a kind of prophetic vision of where we're headed with, especially with video games and stuff like that, it's. It's a great, great book. 
And of course, you can get it on Audible. And if you don't already have an Audible account, you can get it for free by going to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife. It's a great book, great place to start. Again, that's Ready Player One by Ernest Klein, narrated by Will Wheaton. Well, thanks so much for sticking with us on this giant expose of the very exciting new technology that is the Oculus Rift. Again, you can go to their website, OculusVR, that's spelled O-C-U-L-U-S-V-R.com, and learn more about it and order a copy of the extraordinarily powerful and exciting new device. Again, this is still in dev. Lots of choices coming up in the next couple years with this, but... If you're at all excited about it, let alone if you're a dev, a game developer, or interested in becoming a game developer, we're talking about this is the future, you guys. You need to jump in here. I think that's it for the night. Thanks so much for listening to Geek Life. Again, we've had the admin. Bye-bye. And the 8th Henry, who got trolled really well. Adequately. Adequately but trolled. enjoyably. Adequately trolled. Well, thanks again for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Now, by contributor, of course, I mean if you're interested in writing articles, getting interviewed on the podcast, having us check out one of your comics and reviewing it, or even actually getting published on the website, which, of course, we're always looking for exciting new artists and upcoming indie creators to be featured on the website because that is what we are all about. Music's been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is the admin. We'll see you next time. In the Rift. In the Rift. Alone in the Rift. Man's coming. Macho man's coming. <laughs> Snap into a slim gym.
Yeah! Ooh, I'm <laughs> wild! <laughs>